illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, I'm the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of Thermodynamic Lipid Immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how are you doing this evening? Well, I was just thinking, is there ever a time where you're not firmly ensconced at, at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters? No, because this is where I do all the recording. Okay. And you're always ensconcing there, huh? I'm always ensconced. Oh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> and firmly, too. <laughs> firmly. Yeah, got to be firmly. No soft. Always firm. Uh, well, things over at uh, the – did you appreciate my, my uh, beaver flag photo? I don't know if we talked about that last week or no, not. No, we did, and it looks great. Okay. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty sharp. So I think I'm going to leave it through the end of the year. Through the end of the calendar year? Yeah, through the end of the calendar year. Right on. It's, it's, it's my little Christmas. So. It's, I uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Well, some good news came out today, which I'm sure we'll get to later. Okay. Oh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, well, well, the, what, what are we starting with today, Billy? Well, uh, I just want to remind everyone you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all the other podcatchers, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. We got a little bit of volleyball news, Beach. Oh, God. <laughs> Did we hire a new coach? Not yet. Oh, okay. What did we do? Oregon State Volleyball student-athletes Kinley Swan received Pac-12 All-Freshman Team honors while Izzy Suzaleski was named All-Pac-12 Honorable Mention, as announced by the Pac-12 offices last week. Swan finished the year with the second-best hitting percentage in program history for a freshman and eighth-highest overall. 
attacking at a clip of 313. The Orem, uh, the Orem Utah native put away 155 kills in the season, with 119 coming during Pac-12 action. Now, Suzieski, the Beaverton, Oregon native, led the Beavs in kills in four matches and finished second on the team with 228 kills. She recorded a career-best 18 kills and the four-set victory over Colorado, while her 22 digs in the triple-double against Portland also was a new best. Hmm. So a little bit of good news. Yeah, they, to my knowledge, haven't hired a new coach yet. Okay, okay. Sounds like she's got, um, well, she almost has as many kills as the, uh, the Clinton family. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, let's move on to a little bit of wrestling news. What, what, do we, what do we got in wrestling, Billy? Well, remember, Beach, it was the Cliff Keen Invitational down in Las Vegas. Ooh, we're going to talk a lot about Vegas today. Yep, in one of the country's toughest competitions, the Oregon State wrestling team finished eighth in the Cliff Keen Invitational, a two-day tournament which wrapped up on Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon. Four individuals placed in the top four of their weight classes. The eighth-place finish marks the second consecutive top-ten finish for the Beavs at the competition, following an identical eighth-place finish last year. I, I, I don't mean to sound stupid, but they finished eighth out of how many teams? I'm not sure how many competed. I mean, because it, if it's eight out of eight, that's not very good. No, but it's quite, it's quite a few. It's a big tournament. Okay. Tanner Harvey was the Beavers' highest-finishing individual, taking second place in, in the 197-pound division. Now, Brandon Kaler at 125 and Jason Shaner at 133 wrapped up their weekends with identical fourth-place finishes. Matthew Olguin at 165 finished third. Aaron Almost, Aaron Almost at 174 took seventh. And Trey Munoz at 184 finished in eighth. Now, Oregon State will take the mats against top-ranked Penn State next Sunday for the final duel of the calendar year. Action from Pennsylvania is set for a 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific start time it can be seen nationally on ESPNU mm. so that's cool wrestling getting a little TV time on ESPNU yeah must be must be kind of slow in the they must not have competitive well they probably have to have probably can't have competitive cornhole because there was those cheaters going on there a while back well and this is the ESPNU <laughs> oh okay so no cornhole and in the U well I don't think cornhole is a uh, sanctioned NCAA sanctioned event, NCAA event yeah <laughs> Should be. All right, so. Beach. Next up, we have a little bit of women's basketball news. Ooh, okay. What's going on with the, the girls and Mr. Rook? Well, Beach, Oregon State took control early and took home an 89-36 win over Southern U in front of a Beavers Beyond the Classroom record crowd of 8,000 students from 71 schools. Wow. Five Beavs scored in double figures for the first time since February 8th, 2021 against Oregon. And every Beave who played scored at least three points. Nine OSU players had at least one assist, and the Beavs assisted on 26 of 30 field goals. Defensively, the Beavs held their opponent under 40 points for the first time since a 65-34 win over BYU in 2019. How, how strong was this team, do you know? Uh, they're not great, but uh, Oregon State came out and, and really dominated. Uh Talia Van Olhofen and A.J. Marat led the scorers with 15 each, followed by 14 from Reagan Beers and 10 each from Martha Peach and Jelena Metrovic. The 6'9 Serbian also grabbed 14 rebounds for her fifth career double-double while dishing six assists. 6'9". Yep. Wow. 
All right, Beach. Um, on Saturday at Gill Coliseum, Oregon State outscored Jackson State 19 to six in a groundbreaking third quarter and carried that momentum to a 63 to 53 victory. Now, the oldest and youngest players on the roster paced the Beavs throughout the game. Freshman Martha Peach and Reagan Beers both scored in double figures with 14 and 10 points, respectively. Beers also had her fifth double-double of the season with 12 rebounds. Now, redshirt senior Ben Duyini contributed on both ends with four points, eight rebounds, four assists, and a career-best six steals in her 137th start. Duyini's stops were crucial as OSU shot just 31.3% from the floor. But the Beavs made up for it with defense and by grabbing a season-high 19 offensive rebounds. The Beavs are now 6-2 and two in the open Pac-12 play this week at Oregon. The game, is, yep, the game is slated for a 4 p.m. tip on Sunday, December 11th. It will be televised what is, what is, on the Pac-12 networks. And what's that game called, Billy? The Oh, the rivalry game formerly known as the Civil War. Oh, okay. Just wanted to clarify what it was called. Yep. So Because they can't call it Civil War anymore, just like the football. Right? Pretty much. So we, we don't call it Civil War anymore. Uh, nope. It's the rivalry game formerly known as the Civil War because they can't rename it for yeah. some reason. For some reason. Been maybe, two years now? Maybe, two years this way? Maybe, maybe, maybe Civil War is just too good a name to get rid of. Possibly. But you can't keep calling it the Civil War. You can't. Repl- you, maybe they just can't find a better word. They can't find. They, there's nothing better to replace it with. Yeah. So then it'll just be the rivalry game formerly known as the Civil War. And that should make everybody not offended. I would think so. so. Yeah, because we're not calling it the Civil War anymore. Nope. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, good Good rule. All right, Beach. Uh, next up is some men's basketball. Okay. Tinkle and boys, how are De- they doing? Dexter Cano converted a three-point play with eight seconds left to lift the Oregon State men's basketball team to a 66-65 to win over Washington in the Beavs' Pac-12 opener Thursday evening at Gill. Now, Okano finished the game with 13 points and four rebounds. Senior Dimitri Runyi filled the stat sheet, going for 14 points, nine rebounds, and five assists and five steals. Glenn Taylor Jr. finished with 10 points and six rebounds off the bench, while Michael Rataj put up eight points and seven rebounds in his first career start. Rodrigue and Della also had eight points on four for seven shooting. And tonight, Beach, uh, Sunday night, as, we as a record, this? yeah, yep. the Beavs uh, took on USC in their second Pac-12 game of the year at Gill. Mm-hmm. And after leading 34-23 to at halftime, the Beavs were outscored by 12 points in the second half to go down 63-62. to Dang, nabbit. Yep. So, just couldn't keep the momentum up of the from the first half. Nope, it looks like uh, USC uh, went ahead with about 2:42 left, and Oregon State could never catch up after that. Yeah, you have it. Yep, well, that sucks. Yep. Well, the Beavs are now four and five overall, one and one in the Pac-12, and next up uh, they will be playing at USC ranked. No, USC wasn't ranked. But they'll be playing at Texas A&M on Sunday to the uh, the 11th at 3 p.m. on ESPN2. Mm. So next Sunday at the deuce. 3 p.m. on the Deuce. Okay. And Beach, we're just going to kick it off right now. But there's more? Well, we got a little bit of football news. Oh, okay. What's the news, Billy? Like I don't already know. <laughs> Well, Beach, on Sunday, 
the Beavs were invited to the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Okay, for starters, what is SRS Distribution? I've never heard of this. Oh, you son of a bitch. You should have known I was going to ask the question. Roofing supplies. You know, we talked about that last year. They do roofing and building supplies. Oh, okay. Yeah, we talked about that last year. Okay. As soon as, I, as soon as I typed it in and it popped up, I was like, oh, that's right. So the Beavs will be matched up against Florida from the Southeastern Conference. So, so what, you're, what you're saying is the song I picked was last week or two weeks ago, The Roof is on Fire, is appropriate for our bowl game. Um, so anyways, Beach, the game will be played on Saturday, December 17th, so less than two weeks away, at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. That's where the Raiders play. The and game that's also where the, the, uh, the Pac-12 championship was just played, correct? Correct. Okay. And, and that's also where UNLV plays their games now. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the Vegas Bowl used to be played at San Boyd Stadium, which was at UNLV. But uh, once they built this stadium, I believe UNLV uses it now, too. It can get windy down there in Vegas. So what does that mean? Uh, just that's I think that's why UNLV decided to play their games over there. Oh, it, because it, they it gives them more options uh, early in the season when you're dealing with heat. Mm-hmm. And it's just a little more, you know, climate controlled. It can get it can get gnarly out there in the desert. Oh, I bet. I bet. And like I said, it can get windy, too. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Uh, the game will live, uh, will air on live on ABC. Now, obviously, Beeves, uh, the Beavs finished nine and three on the season, six and three in Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the nine wins are the team's most since 2012, when the team finished at nine and four. And you remember, Beeves, that year they lost to Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now the Bees Dis- will be disappointing. Disappointing game. Yep. Now the Bees will be looking to win their tenth game for only the third time in school history. Joining the 2000 team that went 11 and one and the 2016 that went 10 and four. This is the second consecutive bowl appearance for the Beavs after they played in the 2021 Jimmy Kimmel Los Angeles bowl last year. Mm-hmm. The Beavs are 11 and seven all time in bowl games. And they won five consecutive games from 03 to 08. Now, yes, it was now head coach, Jonathan Smith played in two bowl games with the Beavs, including the 01 Fiesta bowl. Um, now the Las Vegas bowl marks the 10th, uh, poll appearance for Smith as a coach. And it'll be a second as a head coach after appearing in eight as an assistant. Under, uh, the Huskies, correct? uh, the Huskies and Boise state. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was at Boise state for a brief period. Wasn't he? Before yeah, he went he, off to the Huskies. Correct. Now, uh, this is the Beavs third Las Vegas bowl appearance. Uh, their first one, they defeated New Mexico 55-14 to in 2003. That was Steven Jackson's last game as a Beave where he scored five touchdowns. I don't remember that game. What was that? When did we go for the two-point conversion? That was at the Sun Bowl. Okay, I was going to say, I thought that was over in Texas. That was at the Sun Bowl in 2006. Okay, yeah, I love that game. Yeah. So uh, they beat New Mexico 55-14 to in 2003, and they lost to BYU 44-20 to in 2009. Mm. Yeah. Now, like we said earlier, both of those games were played at Sam Boyd Stadium um, on UNLV's campus. And this will be the second year that the Vegas Bowl will be played at Allegiant Stadium. Well, it just opened up last year, correct? Correct. Yeah. And it's yeah. literally right across the street from the uh, from the strip. Oh, really? They built it right downtown. Have you not seen it? 
No, well, last time I was there, I never. I, maybe I saw it, but I, I, I was there for a meeting, so I didn't really yeah, it's focus just, on much. It's just on the other side of the freeway. Well, and the other thing was when I was there the last time I was in Vegas it was like about three and a half years ago, and uh, we ended up staying uh, across the street from. It used to be the Hilton. I don't think it's Hilton anymore. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Way, way off the, not, way, kind of off the strip. It's where Elvis used to perform. Yeah, I don't know. That place changes so much. I It's funny. Jess laughs because, you know, I go to all these places and I, I have a pretty damn good sense of direction. Mm-hmm. You, you you throw me down somewhere, I'll step. I'm like, okay, mm, there's north, there's south, there's east, there's west. Yeah. I can find my way around. I get to Vegas, I get all turned around like hell. You know, my, my problem. She'll look at me and go, which way is north? And I'll go that way. And she goes, no, that's west. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I have the same problem when I go to Eugene, but I, I think it's the contact high. Yeah, pretty so, much. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So um, it's just, like I said, just across the street or just across the uh, freeway from uh, from the strip. Nice. Mm-hmm. And well, we'll be going. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about this. Do, do we have, where are we staying at? Do we know yet? Uh, we got uh, cheap rooms at the Rio. At the Rio. Correct. Okay, staying at the Rio, going to the game. Correct. All right. Yeah. Everything else is bonus. And and Rio isn't on the strip. That's probably why it's cheaper. Mm Mm-hmm. And, but we got a car because Jess likes to drive down there. Isn't that where Penn and Teller play? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's actually also where the Kiss Monster Mini Golf is. Really? Yeah, I played at the Kiss Monster Mini Golf when it was in its original location. Where was its original location? I don't remember. It was like kind of like in a strip mall, but now it's over there, I, I believe, at the Rio. Can we do that? Sure. I'm pretty stoked about that. When I did that, uh, did the one at Universal Studios Orlando, that that they had a really nice mini golf course. Over it there. is pretty fun, isn't it? Yeah, it was a riot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, which one did you play? Did you play the horror side or the sci-fi the, side? The sci-fi side. So did we. Actually, I think yeah. we've played both now. Yeah, the, the one with the spinny room is kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, when we were over in at Disney World, we played one of the Fantasia Gardens. Oh, yeah. But we only got about three quarters of the way through, and then uh, thunderstorms started happening. There was lightning strikes, so we couldn't play anymore. They they canceled the golf? Yeah, but they didn't charge us. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, they actually gave us things to come back. Oh, nice. So, but uh, yeah, okay. no, it was fun. It's, I, I like mini golf. Anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we'll be going to Vegas, and we're just, we're just going out. We're going out Friday evening um, so we can work. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be there Saturday and for Sunday morning and afternoon, then flying back Sunday afternoon. Okay. Because again, we got to work. Yeah. So. And record a podcast. Yeah, we probably won't record a <laughs> podcast that week. This will actually probably be our last podcast until uh, sometime in January. Really? Probably. Well, that's disappointing. Not even a recap. Well, because we'll do the recap for all the games, I guess, won't we? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep, yep, okay. Yep. All righty. Right. Hey, Billy. Yeah, Beach. Son of a gun. Hold on here. Do you hear that? I do. All right. Hold on here. Let's get this old Teltec machine working. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. That was a good rip. Thank you. I, I gripped it and ripped it. This just in. Fox Sports issues statement to viewers in Eugene, Oregon on Friday. Fox Sports issued the following statement to the, uh, the evening of December 2nd. 
To our viewers in Eugene, Oregon, tonight's Pac-12 championship game features the Trojans of USC and the Utes of the University of Utah. Oregon is not in this year's championship game, so please stop calling, emailing, and tweeting us asking why the University of Oregon is not on this evening's broadcast. Your team was not in the top two of the Pac-12 teams and was not invited to this year's contest. In fact, your team was handed an embarrassing defeat by the Beavers of Oregon State University, putting them down to number four in the Pac-12 rankings, out of the running for the national championship. Please enjoy watching this evening's broadcast of the Pac-12 championship on Fox Sports and quit being dicks. Yours truly, Fox Sports. And this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. Quit being dicks. I don't think they can when it comes to natural. <laughs> All right, Beads. Well, after that, since this uh, reference this, are you ready to go under further review for championship week in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown. Absolutely, Billy. I, All right, Beach. You know, I, I missed the game because I was throwing a party here at Twin Pines. Oh, dude. Uh, how'd the party go? I was okay. Uh, didn't have as big of attendance as I would like, but you know, sometimes the smaller the group, the better the group. Uh, kept out some of the riffraff. We ended up watching. Uh, uh, it was I brought in. Uh, well, we we did fa ra ra because I oh. had Chinese food, and we watched a Christmas Story Christmas, which oh. is the the actual sequel to the Christmas Story movie. How was that? You know, it was awesome. The story was new. It wasn't like a rehash of the original. But it had some beautiful cues to the original. Some homage you know. to the original, yeah. Yeah, some homage. Uh, most of the original actors came in. Uh, the mom did not, but but Schwartz and um, the brother and who is the other guy? Uh, the all, well, the main three boys were all there. Yeah, was the and little brother there? The little brother was there. The one thing that I was curious on, and I couldn't find anything online, was they go to, what is it, Higgy's or? Higby's. Higby's department store, and they're chatting there, and he's like, you know, we've got to get our kids the, the you know, stuff. And, and he, he runs into a guy, and a guy trips and falls and hits the ground. And he apologizes. The guy walks up and walks away. Just a real quick scene, right? Nothing important. Didn't even need to be added. And I was wondering if the guy who, who tripped and fell was the awkward dude with the aerial, you know, I like the Wizard of Oz, you know, that who's waiting in line with him mm-hmm. for Santa Claus. Do you remember? Yeah, I'm trying to look. Yeah, I, I tried to Google everything and they show all of the people who did, but they don't reference him. And his 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 cameo, if it was him, was very quick, but it would make sense that he would have run into him at Higby's. Okay. So, yeah, I Googled it a few times, couldn't find him. They mentioned all the other boys. Now, what's funny is one of the guys who was one of the boys, he ended up being in Rich with Richard Pryor in the toy. Yeah. And then he ended up being in, like, some porn movies in his yeah. 20th, I think. Yeah. And, he, yeah. He, he was the guy that was in the toy and did that. He was Scott. His real name is Scott something or other. What's funny is in this in the show, but but yeah, he was in those movies, but he wasn't that kind of performer. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like an actual performer, like like an actor. He was an actor. He wasn't like a adult actor. 
Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, what was what was interesting? Uh, he, he, the 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 kid hasn't grown at all. He's pretty short, dude. Yeah, Scott no, Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. He's not, uh, and uh, he's he's pretty heavy set now. I wouldn't have recognized him. Uh, but I mean, it's been forty years. Yeah, well, and he's had a he's had kind of a little bit of a tough life. Well, most of those younger actors do. He was in a bunch of movies. Then that kind of stopped, and it was hard for him to get, get recover from again. it. Yeah, I think that's why he started doing the the adult movies, just to get in it. You yeah, still well, put him in front of the camera. You know, Alyssa Milano did that when she was trying to transition out of Who's the Boss because she couldn't get any roles, and so she ended up doing some pretty risque flicks just to keep herself out there in public domain. She was out there. Yeah, she was out there, um, and and none of us minded, but but. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, the, again, the movie was 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 totally enjoyable. It was it was fun. So, and then after that, we watched the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Dude, we did. Gunny and I just watched that tonight. That was hilarious. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that was hilarious. I I, I uh, you know the I I love the fact that Kevin Bacon can kind of make fun of himself and and do that and it was yeah it was just I, th- good. I thought it was great they had his white real wife's voice on there too. Yeah, I was surprised. So, well, but you know, when it started you know, playing too, I told Gunny, I said, you know, a lot of people don't realize Kevin Bacon is a musician too. Oh, he sings a song. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Is my favorite song that he sings is what? Hookers and Blow. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's a great, great Christmas song. Hookers. It and is Blow. a great, all about Hookers and Blow. Yeah. No, he, uh, the Bacon Brothers. Yeah. And he's pretty talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was wondering when the band, when he was playing, he's playing with a bunch of people on that, whatever you want to call it, they're all looking aliens. But I was wondering if that's really his band that was just done up in makeup. That's the old 97s. Is that what that was? Yeah, I looked it up. So the old 97s is just a rock band from Dallas, Texas. Okay, does he perform with them quite frequently or? Or did he just front? Uh, no, I think that's just the band they used. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Well, it yeah. was fun. They played well. Yeah, no, they did. So. All right, Beach. Well, let's talk about that Pac-12 championship game. And I got to tell you, so we just did this pick for fun. Kyle and I took USC. You took Utah, and you were adamant that Utah was going to win. And you said by 11 points. I did. I did. I said 11 points, didn't I? Yeah, but you were wrong. No, but I, I, my, my view was they were going to win pretty handily. Yeah, you did, and I, I was texting you that night, going, "Holy cow, Beach, you were right." Uh huh. So, Beach, I, you, I, I just, you know, looking back at the season again, USC barely beat Oregon State, and Oregon State, I think, if given, you know, two more games, I think we would have beat them, beat them two out of three times, and Utah handily beat us, beat us. So I just felt utah was going to just just level usc and rightfully so and gosh damn it they deserved it yeah well utah hadn't been playing well the last few weeks yeah Uh, well the oregon game was just a that to me they their their quarterback just wasn't bringing his a game no no well beats the youth scored 24 straight points at one point and went on to dominate usc 47 to 24 to win their second straight pac-12 title and kept the trojans out of the fourth college football playoff spot 
felt similar uh, to the matchup between the teams earlier this season, Utes' slow start did not hold them back this time. USC dominated the first quarter and raced to a 17-3 lead early thanks to a few Heisman-worthy plays by quarterback Caleb Williams, who finished the game with 363 passing yards, 21 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. But it all unraveled uh, in a hurry for USC. After pulling off a miraculous 59-yard run that had him gasping for air and walking gingerly, Williams never quite looked the same. And afterward, USC coach Lincoln Riley said that Williams popped his hamstring on that long first quarter run. And it was pretty obvious that something was wrong because as Williams was nursing that injury, Utah was settling in. During the second quarter, quarterback Cam Rising of Utah put together two touchdown drives at the end of the half to tie the score at 17. Then in the second half, it became clear Williams was hurt. He favored his left side and was visibly limping. He showed some hesitation as he dropped back, and when the USC defense was on the field, he rode the stationary bike on the sideline to stay loose. Now, at one point, backup quarterback Miller Moss grabbed his helmet and paired to warm up, but Williams did remain under center. Now, though Williams stayed in the game, he was no longer the player that spearheaded one of the most explosive offenses in the nation. Having been unable to establish the run early, a hobbled Williams looked frozen in the pocket, and it all but sapped USC's scoring prowess. Williams was uncharacteristically sacked four times, and his throws lacked the pinpoint accuracy and strength they've had all season. The Utes took advantage of it, Beach. Whittingham, you know, head coach uh, mm-hmm. Whitting, uh, Kyle Whittingham said uh, postgame that Utah, quote, smelled blood in the water when the team noticed that Williams was hurt in the third quarter and made a concerted effort to bring more pressure. Why didn't they put in their second string? They probably felt that Williams gave them the best the best option. Wow. Now, Utah not only pressured Williams plenty, but on offense it went back to its most reliable option against the USC defense, tight ends. Tight ends Dalton Kincaid and Tonis Yasmin combined for 121 yards receiving, including a 60-yard touchdown pass from rising to Yasmin that pushed the lead back to 10 after USC had cut it to three in the fourth quarter. Hmm. Yeah. And Utah really went out and just kind of kicked their ass. <laughs> That's one thing I have to say, you know, this USC team was not very physical defensively. Their defense has been suspect all year. Yeah. And really once Travis Dye got hurt, that really upset their, their uh, running game. They still had Williams, but once he got hobbled up, they they had no more running threat. You, you know, one of, one of my favorite quotes from you, Billy, uh, this was back during the Dixon era of the University of Oregon when uh, you said they are one injury away from being a very mediocre team. Yep. And because uh, Dixon ran that offense back in those years. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the key, and and once he got injured, what was it, I think in the Arizona game or something like that? I can't remember. Well, uh, he got he got hurt before the Arizona game, but at Arizona is where he had, I think he finally had to stop. Yeah, and and Arizona beat their ass that game. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was, and I just always remember he had such freaking little chicken legs too. I'm surprised his legs didn't get broken before. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, no, I mean, it just shows you, you know, it's it's good to have a well-rounded team and not be keyed off of one or two individuals. Well, you, you need depth. I mean, uh, look, yeah. at the bee, look at the bees in that Civil War game. You know, uh, Martinez at running back got dinged up. Jam Griffin got <laughs> dinged up. You know, they were, mm-hmm. down to, they were down to basically what would have been their fifth string running back to start the season. And he scored two touchdowns. 
Yeah. So. Anyways, Beach. So uh, that was a good pick by you, and you, you were right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's look at the Pac-12 in the polls. Now, in the AP poll, after everything was said and done, Utah jumped five spots to, to number seven. Okay. USC dropped four spots to number eight. Washington, even though they didn't play, dropped three spots to number 12. Oregon remained at 15. Oregon State dropped a spot to 17, and UCLA dropped a spot to 18. Now, in the coaches' poll, USC dropped four spots to number eight. Utah gained two spots to number 10. Washington dropped three spots to number 12. Oregon jumped a spot to number 14. Oregon State remained at 16, and UCLA lost a spot to go to number 18. And then, Beach, we have the... The playoff poll or the the, the playoff uh, rankings. Okay. Let me pull those up here. How far? How deep do those go? Uh, it goes one to twenty-five. Okay. And we're gonna look at them here. Can we go through all of them? The, all the rankings. Uh, the twenty-five teams. Is that all right? Sure, we can look at it. Okay. okay. So the first four teams will be in the two playoff games, and I'm just gonna go in order. Um, from okay. top down. So Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. So right. Georgia will play Ohio State, and Michigan will play TCU. Which is kind of messed in, up. Do they play in bowl games, or yes. are those considered playoff games? They are Well, they're playoff games, but they're in bowls. Okay, what are the bowls? I don't know which. Let me see. Because it, I, I remember back in the days when they were they were using the Rose Bowl and all those, but they haven't done that in quite a few no, years. No, that's exactly what they're doing. It's still what they're doing. But the Rose Bowl's still playing. The Rose Bowl's not part of that group, is it? Not this year, no. Okay. Um, so you've got... I gotta look it up here. Okay, mm-hmm. so on Saturday, December thirty first. So it's not on a New Year's Day because with New Year's falling on a Sunday, uh-huh. kind of screws things up a little bit. Oh so, yeah, because so, they have to compete with the uh, with uh, NFL. NFL. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So these two games are going to be on Saturday. You've got TCU at Michigan in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Okay. And then you have Ohio State and Georgia in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Okay. So the ones that those two, so there's, what, number of bowl games in it. So it's those two um, plus the Rose Bowl plus the Cotton Bowl. Fiesta Bowl. Well, it's the Rose. This year's the, the Fiesta and the Peach. It's the Rose, the Sugar, the Cotton, and the Orange. Okay. Are the other ones. But not all of them are utilized. They get the other top 12. Okay. So the top like when tw- Oregon State went, we were at, at large, right? Correct. Well, but so, that was the old BCS. This isn't the BCS. This is different. Okay. 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 So that's that's one through four. Okay. Now five, you've got Alabama, Tennessee, Clemson, Utah in at number eight, Kansas State, USC in at 10. Penn State, 
Washington. So all those teams are in the uh, – not all of them. One of them is not. In, in, in those bowl games just mentioned. Except for Tulane. Tulane actually falls in at fifth at 16th, but they won their conference. Okay. They're, they're going. Well, so you need then, an even number of teams. Yeah. So then you also have Florida State at 13, Oregon State at 14, Oregon at 15, Tulane at 16, LSU, UCLA at 18. So so we're actually ranked higher than Oregon? Yeah. In the in this in this thing. Okay, which is really all that matters, right? Well, this is the one that really counts for where yeah. you go, yeah. 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 So you got South Carolina at 19. So, I just wanted to I wanted to clarify. So Oregon State's higher in the polls than Oregon is. Higher in this poll, yes. Yes. Okay. So you got LSU at 17, UCLA at 18, South Carolina, Texas, Notre Dame at 21, who got beat by Stanford, mm-hmm. Mississippi State, NC State, Troy, and UTSA, which is the University of Texas, San Antonio. Okay. So there you go. Hey, sp- speaking of that, since you mentioned Stanford, have they picked a new coach yet? No. Okay. But we did get a new coach announced for the Pac-12 this week. Oh, who's that? The new head coach of Colorado, the Colorado Buffaloes, prime time, Deion Sanders. Really? Yep, he took that job. Now, where was he coaching before? He was down in the Southwestern Conference at Jackson State, I believe. That's in, uh, pretty much a primarily black school, isn't it? Correct. Uh, uh, historic, uh, historically black university, yes. It wasn't, there was some, I saw something about him down there. What was that? Was undefeated? Were they undefeated? He was having success, but I thought there was some drama going on down there too or something. Oh, remember uh, he had that thing where the other coach wouldn't shake his hand? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Now he's taken the job, but I believe he still plans on coaching. Coaching them? He's still going to coach him in the Celebration Bowl. Good for him. Jackson State at the North Carolina Central Eagles. I think he owes it to them. So. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he performs in the pack. I I wish him all the best. Nice to, you you know, I I like, I want to see Oregon State win, but I love competitive games. I agree. You know, you don't want to have, I, I, it's nice when everybody's so evenly matched that every game is, is a challenge for both teams. Well, sometimes so. you like kicking the crap out of people, but when you've got tight games like that civil war, mm-hmm. it, it really gets the blood pumping. It does. It does. Yeah. So hopefully he, like I said, hopefully he has some success. Sad he's leaving his other school though. So, because he sounds like he did really well down there. Yep. So. All right, beach. Well, uh, since we're talking about head coaching, uh, we're going to go to this week's Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week we can discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, I don't know exactly who we're giving it to. We might be just be giving it to the state of college football in general. What with what, the, uh, what happened, Billy? I have well, no idea what's going with, on. With the NIL and the transfer porter and, and how they're just really destroying <laughs> college football in my book. And really, it's the money. Uh, it's, it's just it, so much money. It's 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 they it's just, prostituted it. It's polluting everything. Mm-hmm. Well, Beach, I, I read this and I just went kind of like, what the hell? 
So it reads, Liberty University is hiring Jamie Chadwell as its new coach. Okay. With sources that said Chadwell has agreed to a seven-year deal that averages more than $4 million a year for Liberty University. Mm-hmm. Now, Chadwell has been one of the best coaches in the sport the past three years, going 31-6 and six at Coastal Carolina. Overall, Chadwell is 39-22 and 22 in five years there. He has prior head coaching experience at Charleston Southern, Delta State, and North Greenfield. Now, the Liberty job became open after Coach Hugh Freeze left for Auburn. Now, Liberty had just agreed to pay Freeze an average of $5 million per year in a new deal he'd signed right before his departure. $5 million, Beach. To coach? At Liberty University. Well, you know, Billy, we've had a little period of inflation here. Well, do you know where Liberty is? Isn't Liberty the old, like, wasn't that the old religious? It's a private evangelical university in Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay, but wasn't it, didn't it used to be founded like, in Jerry Falwell? Exactly. It was founded in 1971 by Jerry Falwell. Yeah, yeah. And so the, among the world's largest it, Christian universities. It wasn't called Liberty before. It was called uh, Heritage or something. Yeah, they, they changed the name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, it is one of the world's largest nonprofit universities, private. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's by student enrollment. Okay. So it has uh, its residential program is 15,000 students. So okay. that means 15,000 on site. All right. But they have 80,000 online students. Holy crap. Yeah. But how does Liberty, they're paying four to five million dollars a year for a football coach well they got a couple of dollars that what the hell it just that's just nuts it's nuts that you know what 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 is for for comparison what is like jonathan smith make uh i think he might make a million i know he's one of the highest paid um, well no he he was well when he signed his last contract he was he was the 10th highest paid or no 11th highest paid Coach in the Pac-12. So, but I don't know if they renegotiated his contract. Smith made. Okay, this is his total pay, two point four four million. Okay. That that's what he made last year. So this guy's making a little more than a little less than double. What's yeah, made. but he they don't even coach in a big conference. You know. And let's see, um, you know, you've got, you've got Dabo Sweeney at Clemson makes $10 million a year. Kirby Smart at Georgia makes, t- I just think that's ridiculous. Hmm. I just, well, I just, if, if that's what they feel a person is worth, then that's what they can pay him. I mean, it is what it is. I just think it's, it's I, it, I, more I, money in there. It's just destroying the game. Yeah. But I, I have issues more or less. If a private institution wants to waste their money on it, I'm okay with it. But when a public institution that's getting government subsidization through our taxpayer dollars pays that kind of money, then I don't know. I, I kind of have issues with that. Well, if you look at the highest paid coaches, they're all at, you know. Well, what you, is it? The, it's always like the highest paid 
highest paid state employees is the head football is, coach is the head football coach of the public university of the public universities yeah yep so that that tells you I mean they, they make a lot more than the governor well at least what the governor claims they make yep. so and i just i just find that disgusting yeah I, it, it is disgusting but i mean how much are the players get paid now and and it's part of what i'm talking about is it's just all this money polluting everything mm-hmm. and to me it's destroying the game yep you just be fun so I just I wonder how long my fandom will hold on. Mm-hmm. And as a guy that turns fifty next month, I never thought I'd say that. Yeah. So, anyways, so uh, just for the state of college football and just money prostituting everything, you get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. Anyways, I just I read that and I just like God, that's disgusting. Well, like I said, I don't have as big of an issue with it as long as it's uh, – I mean, if that's what a private university wants to waste their money on, so be it. Yeah. It's it's their money. They're but, a private institution. But but the private institutions are only doing it to catch up to the public ones. Yeah. You know, you know that's uh, – usually that's the other way around. But they say the reason why CEOs are paid such excessive money on publicly traded companies is because private companies pay excessive amounts for CEOs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the the publicly traded companies have to compete to yep. get the quiet quality CDOs. Even though I think sometimes if you actually take a look at it, you probably realize that they're not actually worth that kind of money. But, I, I I agree. Yeah, you see what some of these CEOs do and how quickly they can destroy a company. Yep. So. All right, Beach. Uh, it's now time for the musical interlude of the week, and it's your pick. Okay, so today's musical interlude, released on January twenty ninth, two thousand nine. Produced by Mutt Lang of ACDC and Def Leppard fame. And <laughs> and was married to Shania Twain until he cheated on her. Yeah, the stupid ass. Um, but he actually was involved in Britney Spears and a couple other bands. Oh, yeah. Um, very, very, must have a good ear. Uh, anyway, uh, this is the fourth song off their album Dark, Dark Horse. The band, originally called Village Idiot, later changed his name to reference its member Mike Kroger's job at Starbucks because everything that he sold ended at 95 cents. Here's your nickelback. And he would say, here's Here's your your nickelback. Yep. So, and I don't know why people hate nickelback so much. (laughs) I was just thinking, I'm like, Beach, people are going to hear this and get pissed. And I'm like, I don't know why. I mean, I listen to nickelback and like any other band, I probably like, Probably 50% of their songs, which is good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you like 50% of a band's songs, I think you're doing pretty good. And and I'm like, I don't know why everybody hates them because, to me, they're like waving the flag of 80s and 90s rock in a lot of ways. I mean, heavy guitar, heavy drums, you know, great solid beats and hooks. So I don't know why they're hated so much. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I freaking love this song. I was playing it tonight on the way home. Uh, and we're, we're taking a little loose, like you did a couple weeks ago, taking a little loose interpretation on our theme of fire. Uh, so this one is called uh, Burn It to the Ground. Go ahead and play it, Billy. <laughs> Will it's midnight, damn arrival 
I do like me some some Nickelback. I, I do, uh, yeah, and, and burn it to the ground. I mean, I love that song. It's freaking heavy. So, yeah, no, they make some good stuff. I like. Hey, back in the early '90s when everyone was selling their Milli Vanilli stuff, I kept my Milli Vanilli CD. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, I don't care about the douchebags that were in the video. I like the music. Yeah, it was some great, great songs. Yep. It always comes back around. Everyone's like, I don't Milli Vanilli's not bad. I'm like. I don't know where all the hate comes for Nickelback, but yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. All right, Beach. Well, you know, and one of the ones I like about there is uh, uh, in the and the song um, "Rockstar," the the cameo says, uh, uh, "What does he say? I like the quesadilla." Yeah, with uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Exactly. I like the exactly. quesadilla. <laughs> or I'll have the quesadilla. I think he yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. All right. Uh, well, Beach, it is now time to go to the Pac-12 bowl game preview, and it's great. We got another year of talking about the Beavs in a bowl game. Are we picking? Are we picking bowl games here? We are. I told Kyle. I hate you, Kyle. I told Kyle to uh, send an email, so he did. And this is just okay. for the heck of it. Well, it's always okay. for the heck of it. Well, and what, 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 what's the score of the regular season here? Uh, let me see. You finished with 60 out of 79. I had 57 out of 79, and Kyle had 55 out of 79. So not too bad. Yeah, no, it's really tight. Yeah. All right. Like, uh, a, like, a, like a German hooker. So good and tight. Uh, so uh, we're going to start off with games on Saturday, December 17th, which is just next week, Beach. First up, we have Washington State versus Fresno State in the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Um, I'm going to pick Wazoo. I, too, am taking Wazoo. I'm a homer. I think – if, if Fresno State had Hayner, the same quarterback that was there when we played him back in September, well, then I think Fresno State would have had a lot better season. They didn't have a bad season, but I think they would have destroyed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. After he got hurt, it wasn't the same team. So, uh, Kyle says, L.A. Bull, Inglewood, Inglewood up to no good. Cougs beat the Mountain West champs. So he's taking Wazoo also. And then also on that day, Beach, Florida – Versus Oregon State in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Oh, wait, do we pick Oregon State? I thought we always never picked Oregon State for games. So you're not going to pick Oregon State? Well, I mean, no, we always we always would pick Oregon State, and so therefore we just didn't add that to the count because it was always the same score either way. So you're taking Florida? I'm taking Oregon State, you jackass. <laughs> okay, just making sure. <laughs> Kyle says Gators and Beavs both kind of swim the same. Beavs. I too am taking the Beavs. Shocking. Okay. Next up, we got to wait 11 days for Wednesday, December 28th. Oregon versus North Carolina in the San Diego Credit Union Holiday Bowl. I don't care. I'm not going to root for this Ducks, North Carolina, all the way. Okay. Kyle says. Oregon with a trip on their shoulder, whip the tar out of the tar heels. He's taking Oregon. Uh, someone told me that they, they were going to call this the tar and feather bowl. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, oh, did you hear that guy that punched the uh, dude uh, for the Oregon player that punched the OSU? Oh, yeah. What uh, he, he is being suspended, will not be playing in the – in the uh, Bull game. Nice. 
But he's also a senior, and he's going to be getting ready for the NFL draft, so I don't know how much of a penalty that is. Although there was some bullshit about some vile thing that was said to him. And I'm like, seriously? It was so vile, it took about half a second. Sticks and stones, love. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take North Carolina. You know, the other thing I'm going to think of, it reminds me of Belialati back in the days, is this bowl is beneath Oregon. They should have gone to the national championship. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think that, and I like Mac Brown at, at North Carolina. I think they'll play hard. All right. Next up, we have a game the next day on the 29th. Texas versus Washington in the Valero Alamo Bowl. Um, the Alamo. Um, going to take the dogs. I, too, am taking UW because Michael Penix Jr. just said he's coming back for next season. The quarterback. He was a senior. He or he could have he could have gone to the NFL, but he's coming back. Kyle says, "Will the Huskies play well away from home? Not the Huskies I know. Texas." Okay. Then okay. on we got three games in a row. So we have the 28th, 29th. Then here on the 30th, Pittsburgh versus UCLA in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Seriously? Yep, Pitt and UCLA. No, t- the Tony the Sun Bowl? Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So Frosted Flakes is sponsoring a Sun Bowl? No, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Wasn't didn't say Tony Frost- the Tiger from Frosted Flakes? I didn't say Frosted Flakes. I said Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I'm, I'm still lost on this one. Okay. Tony the Tiger, the mascot. Um, it's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. The mascot of Frosted Flakes. Yeah, he's on boxes of Frosted Flakes. Is it the same Tony the Tiger? What other Tony the Tiger do you know of? I don't know. Why can't we just call it the, the Cereal Bowl, the Kellogg Cereal Bowl? That because be probably that's why they don't want to do that. Why? Because because they don't want, want Tingle Fritz is like you calling bowl? it the Cereal Bowl. Well, you know what was awesome was the freaking chip and nachos and sh- that we got down the Fiesta Bowl. Freaking chip and dip bowl. I do miss all the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl stuff. Oh, my God. They were everywhere. Although I got stuff. tired of Tostitos after a while. <laughs> I've never seen so many Tostitos in my life. <laughs> oh. So who are you taking? I don't, I don't know. I like Frosted Flakes. Um, <laughs> Pitt or UCLA? I'm not taking bitch tits. I'm taking pit. God. <laughs> All right. Kyle says, I don't know much about this, but I have a feeling UCLA will have some guys sit out, not take the game seriously, and Pitt gets a surprise win, 3 nothing. I, too, am taking Pitt. I think the 3 nothing is the uh, homage to the Beavs when they won 3 nothing down there in 2009. Er. Really? 2008. Is it 2008? Yeah, 2008. Wasn't the Tony, wasn't the Tony Tiger Bowl then, though? No. I don't know who was sponsoring at that time. I think for a while it was, wasn't it the Vitalis? Yeah, it was Vitalis. Was it Vitalis or something with a V? Wasn't it the Vitalis? Yeah, the 2004 Vitalis Sun Bowl. 
and 2005. Hmm. Yeah, which is just weird. That stuff you put in your hair. Yeah, Dad used it all the time. Probably yeah. still does. Uh, Wells Fargo. Let's see. Let's see. Right now it's Tony the Tiger. Um, let's see. Was this the Sun Bowl? And then 86 to 88, it was the John Hancock Sun Bowl. And then for mm-hmm. four years, it was just the John Hancock Bowl. And then for a couple of years, it was just the, the Sun. Then it was just the then it was just the Sun Bowl. Then it was the Norwest Bank Sun Bowl. And then the Norwest Sun Bowl, Wells Fargo Sun Bowl, Vitalis Sun Bowl, Brute Sun Bowl. That's when the Beavs played the Brute Sun Bowl. And then for eight years, it was the Hyundai Sun Bowl. And now the last few years, it's been the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Dude, now, sorry to to do a sidetrack here. But do they still have the San Francisco Bowl? Yeah, I think it's just called the Frisco Bowl. Okay. And then wasn't there a Washington Bowl for a while too, a Seattle Bowl? There was one year in Seattle because they had two bowls that used to be out in Hawaii. There was the Hawaii Bowl and the Wahoo Bowl. Oh, I remember those. And they quit doing those, and one moved to Seattle for a year, and the other one moved to San Francisco. Okay. And that's like the one the Beavs played in the Emerald Bowl for a while. Yeah. Which was sponsored by the Emerald Nut Company, which would have been a nut bowl, which also would have been a funny thing and awesome. I wish people would just yeah. embrace the humor. Um, what about whatever happened to the old Insight Bowl down in Arizona? Is that still going on? No, that one's gone. And that actually, that was used to be the, uh, for a while, it was the Copper Bowl. Um, let's see. Now it's the because there's the Fiesta Bowl played at Rattler Stadium. Now it's now it's the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Is it still down there? Uh, it's paid yeah. at Chase Field. Yeah, still the same place. Bank One Ballpark. That's what it was. Yeah, but now okay. it's Chase Field. Okay. Yeah. I always like Bank One Ballpark. Or no. It's called it the Bob. No, 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 Now it's played at, it was played at the Bank One Ballpark from 2000 to 2005. Now it's at Chase Field. Oh. Which one's Chase Field? That must be an actual football field. Oh, no, it used to be Bank One Ballpark. Okay, same place. Oh, okay. Now it's Chase Field. Okay. I always liked it because they called it the Bob. Yeah, it was played at Bank One Ballpark 2005. 2000, 2005, then at Sundayville Stadium, 2006 to 2015, and now it's back to uh, Chase Field. Okay. So it used to be in Tucson. It started out in Tucson and was the Copper Bowl. It was the Copper Bowl for a number of years and became the Insight.com Bowl, and then the Insight Bowl, and then the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, and then the Ticket City Cactus Bowl, and then the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. And then just the Cactus Bowl, and then it was the Cheez-It Bowl for a couple years, and now it's the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Mm. Which is interesting because the only bowl that doesn't – most of those bowls will be called like like the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, except for the Rose Bowl. It's the Rose Bowl presented Sponsored. by Sun Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they won't, they won't do that. But anyways. So, Beach, uh, so we all took pick pit. pit against Ducla. Yeah. So the last games are on Monday, January 2nd, because of the Sunday holiday. First up, mm-hmm. Tulane versus USC in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. I'm picking Tulane. 
Me too. Me mm-hmm. too. I think uh I don't know if if uh Caleb Williams will be back healthy. I think UFC sucks. Yeah, and I don't I think, think Caleb UFC sucks. And I just wonder how how uh seriously they'll take it. Uh Kyle That's says it. with injuries and Williams sitting out to lane. Now he wow. said here now he says Wikipedia A, a new Pelican mascot, recalling because they're the, the 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 Tulane Green Wave, but their mascot is a pelican. And he said a new Pelican yeah. mascot, recalling the university seal and the fact that a pelican was often used in the first half of the century as an emblem of Tulane's athletic teams. The pelican is also the Louisiana state bird, and it's found on the state flag and the state seal. Now the name Riptide for the pelican mascot was selected for the performing Pelican by the administration after a vote of the student body in which the students actually voted the name that the Pelican be named Pecker. <laughs> That's like Pecker. Bodie McBoatface. Give people the option of, of picking the name. They're going to pick something like that. What's his name? Pecker. He's, awesome. he's Pecker the Pelican. <laughs> All right, Beach. Yeah, you know, I'm always reminded of uh, the the man, the men's dance team at Glencoe High School, where uh, they always wanted to be called the Seamen, but they always made them be called the Sailors. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, they're the Seamen. All right, Beach. And last up on also on January second, Penn State versus Utah in the Rose Bowl. Um, picking the little baby goats. Oh, me too. So is Kyle. Kyle says, <laughs> this year, Utah. Next year, question, question, question. And really, next year is probably going to be the last shot for the Beavs to get, you know, kind of a traditional Rose Bowl game. Because after, after next year, it goes to that stupid 12-team playoff. And the bowl game. I don't know what will happen. <laughs> yeah, it's getting all jacked up. I just wonder. And see, this is my problem with them going to a 12-team 12 12 playoff. Okay, right now you've got teams playing 13 or 14 games. Look how many guys aren't playing in these games. Look how beat up these teams so are. It does, yeah, what? And, and the people were like, why am I going to – why am I – Yeah, how many guys uh, aren't – Yeah. Going pro. Yeah, how many guys aren't playing because they're looking at getting drafted? Look how many guys are hurt. What's mm-hmm. going to be when you add, you know, two more mm-hmm. games on top of that? Three, I think, in some points. Yep. So I just, I don't yeah. think it's a good idea. I, I, you're going to lose some of the competitive towards the end. I mean, true. Guys are going to walk. Yep. So. All right, Beach. I was going to talk a little bit about the University of Florida, but there's not much also, to say. But also, if, with the fact that you're going to have guys that are just going to say, I'm not going to play in the playoffs. You know, because my my yeah. health and value to professional career is too important, then you're not going to have games. You're just going to have exhibitions. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what you're you seeing know. this year, guys sitting out. Yeah, because you the know. the sport is gone, and you're just you're going to have a few players that are going to be playing, but you're not really playing for the sport. You're playing mm-hmm. just to show off some, some skills. Yep. Well, Beach, I was going to talk a little bit about the University of Florida, the Bees' next opponent, since the Bees have never played Florida in football. Okay. So uh, Florida, University of Florida, or UF, is a public land-grant research university in Gainesville, Florida. 
Where is Gainesville, Billy? So, Beach, it's in northern part of Florida, but like right in the middle. So, so if not you went, up on the panhandle? No, not in the panhandle. If you went basically right up the the middle of the peninsula, but towards mm-hmm. the north, right in the middle. Okay. But 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 like panhandle high, but middle of the of the peninsula. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, kinda and close to Georgia. Yeah, closer to Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so um, it can trace its uh, – it's a senior member of the State University System of Florida. Um, it can be traced its founding back to 1853 and has operated continuously on its Gainesville campus since September of 1906. Now, Gainesville is the county seat of Alucha County in Florida and the largest city in north-central Florida with a population of 141,000. Um, now it's also the fourth largest public university campus by enrollment in the United States. Wow. Yeah. Big, uh, online, online, quite a few, but it's just also got a big campus. Hmm. So I think one of the biggest, you know, is Arizona state and also central Florida. Hmm. Central Florida is huge. Central Florida has a couple campuses though, I believe. Now, uh, the official school colors, um, are, orange and blue, and that was officially established in 1911. Though the reasons for their choice are unclear. The most likely rationale was that they were a combination of the colors of the university's two largest predecessor institutions, as the East Florida Seminary used orange and black, while Florida Agricultural College used blue and white. So they kind of brought those two schools together to make the University of Florida. Okay. Um, I wonder how uh, how the... um... Uniforms are going to be. Who's who's considered home? I believe game? the Beavs are home and Florida, Florida's away. What if Oregon State's going to go black? Oh, or orange. Yeah. Be Don't confusing know. to the other team, but yeah. Now, the alligator became the school's informal mascot when a local vendor designed and sold school pennants imprinted with the animal, which is obviously very common in lakes in and around Gainesville and throughout the state. The Gator was a popular choice, and the university sports teams had officially adopted the nickname by 1911. Hmm. Yeah. And obviously, that's where Gatorade got its name. Yeah, they were they were the start of Gatorade. Whereas that's where Gator Gatorade essentially was first tried and invented for them. Exactly because of the heat and humidity and and uh, zapping out the uh, the players. So yeah, that's where it came yeah. from. Anyways, just a couple couple little notes there. Now, uh, Florida, I believe, is 6-6 six and six on the year, ninth place in the SEC. But I think it'll still be a good game. And uh, remember, Florida beat uh, Utah the first game of the season. Wow, so that was one of Utah's losses, huh? Yep, that was one of Utah's losses. Hmm. How bad did they beat uh, Utah? I believe they came back and won at the end. Uh, Florida won 29-26. Okay. So they came back and scored 15 points in the fourth quarter to win it. Cool. Well, we'll see how we do against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we'll be there. We will. Yep, it'll be fun. I'm kind of excited. I mean, I like I said, been been about three and a half years since I've been to Vegas, and uh, I know it's going to be a, a quick uh, hit it and quit it kind of thing, but uh, it'll be, be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Any places you want to eat at while we're down there? I was going to ask you: Is there any is there any place on our, our list? Is there a bucket list place that we need to hit down there? Oh, there's a, there's a ton of places I'd like to eat, but we're not going to have very many options, so we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, okay. Right, well, think about it. 
We'll get it going. All right. Well, I just want to thank everyone for listening to show number 190 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, ask a question, HeinrichTailgetterG.com, at HeinrichTailgetter on Twitter, HeinrichTailgetter on Facebook. Remember, listen and subscribe wherever you like listening to podcasts. Leave a rating review. Beach. Billy. It's been great. Now, this will be our last show for a couple weeks. Okay. Um, I do not see us doing a show until probably the second week of June or of January. Okay. But we will do a show. All right. And then we'll probably probably try to do one or two shows a, a month for the rest of the year. Sounds and we'll try to stick to it this year. Yes. All right. Just make it happen. Well, thanks for everyone for listening to Legal Participation. Our our, our, our single digit fans need us to. Exactly. Thanks for everyone for listening to single uh, to. Thanks for everyone for listening to Illegal Participation. And uh, everyone, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And go Beans. How goes it? It goes. I knew if I started watching a YouTube video, you'd call me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You ever watch uh, Dead to Me? No. It's, it's, it's intriguing. There's a brunette on there that I'm just absolutely in love with. And uh, I guess she was on Freaks and Geeks. A lot of people, a lot of like all the actors who were on Freaks and Geeks went on to bigger careers, even though that show only lasted like what, one or two seasons? Yeah, like one season or something. Yeah. Uh, this gal actually married uh, Jason Siegel. They ended up divorcing later, but she was on it with him, and they ended up getting married. Linda Cardinelli? Yes. Oh, my God, I love her. Oh, you know she played uh, Velma in the Scooby-Doo movies. That's what I saw a little thing on her. I kind of Googled her after I found out that I was madly in love with her. So pulled uh, pulled up a little thing, and I saw her doing that. Yeah, quite the hot Velma. She also, you know, she was Hawkeye's wife in the Avengers movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was, wasn't she? Yeah. Yep. Now, Beej, on uh, Saturday, Oregon State outscored Jackson State. All it's going to be is to be. We're getting solar what flares, we We're getting solar flares. I didn't hear a word you just oh, said. Oh, oh, I just said that it's going to be. Uh... All right, that was good. All righty. I like beer. <laughs>